We are looking in the Bible at the moment in our morning services at a book in the Old Testament of the Bible called Nehemiah. Nehemiah happened a couple of thousand years ago and it's a story of, of rebuilding and reconstruction. It is the story of exiles, the story of um, a people um, who were in exile in southwestern Iraq and um, who were um, told of the fact that their, their home city, Jerusalem, was in ruins and uh, the walls had been destroyed uh, 150 years before by uh, the Babylonians and by Nebuchadnezzar, king. And uh, the, 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 the gates had been ripped off their hinges. The temple in Jerusalem had been destroyed. And, and Nehemiah was one of these Israelites who was in exile. He was a cupbearer to the foreign king, Artaxerxes. And the news came from his homeland, uh, from a, a man called Hanani, who came to visit Nehemiah and told him that uh, Jerusalem was still in, in ruins, that the walls were torn down, the gates were off the hinges, the temple was destroyed, the people were discouraged, the building had stopped. And, and we've been looking at this story and we've been kind of placing it in, in a sense with our post, or coming out of an of a, of a 18-month, two-year hiatus and the pandemic and and a sense of rebuilding, a time of rebuilding and restructuring and, and starting afresh. Uh, and we've been uh, uh, thinking about that these last couple of weeks and we'll share some thoughts this morning from Nehemiah chapter three uh, in the Old Testament of the Bible. And uh, we're talking this morning about rebuilding the walls. The last couple of weeks, we've been talking about the preparations that Nehemiah made when he heard about the state of his hometown. We thought about the fact that um, the Bible says that Nehemiah mourned when he heard the bad news from home. He mourned. He, he expressed his hurt to God, how upset he was at the state of his people and of his nation and of his city. And he, we talked about how we can be honest before God. We can mourn. We can lament sometimes at the difficulties we face in life. Uh, we can be honest with God and we can tell him how we feel and be ruthless in our honesty. We also read about Nehemiah that he fasted for a period of time, four months, in that he focused his heart on God. He turned his eyes again to God and he prayed. He, he asked God for help. And last week we considered the fact that, again that Nehemiah was brutally honest. It says that he was sad of heart and sad of face. And that he approached King Artaxerxes, his boss, for whom he was the cupbearer. He had to taste the wine to make sure that nobody was going to poison the king. He had a very important role. He was very close to the king. And he approached the king and he said, I would like to go back to Jerusalem, my hometown, and I would like to build the city again. I'd like to rebuild the walls and I'd like to rebuild the temple. This was a very dangerous thing for Nehemiah to do, to approach this foreign king and ask this favor but he found favor with Artaxerxes and he sent him with letters of recommendation and uh, with the materials he needed and with a cavalry guard to safeguard his journey uh, back to Jerusalem. And so um, we read in chapter 2 and verse 20 where Nehemiah says, The God of heaven will give us success and we his servants will start rebuilding. And we read in Psalm 127, Unless the Lord 
builds the house. They labor in vain that built it. Now it's time to rebuild. It's time to rebuild Jerusalem. Nehemiah is back in the city. And we read, if you read chapter 3, it is not the most inspiring of chapters in that it is a long list of names and people who built the wall and the section was built. I'll read some of it for you. I'm not going to read the whole chapter um, because I'll get bogged down in all the names. But it, was, it starts like this. Eliashab, the high priest and his fellow priests, went to work and rebuilt the sheep gate. They dedicated it and sent it, set its doors in place, building as far as the Tower of the Hundred, which they dedicated, and as far as the Tower of Hananel. And the men of Jericho built the adjoining section, and Zakur, son of Imri, built next to them. The fish gate was rebuilt by the sons of Hassanar, and they laid its beams and put its doors and bolts and bars in place. And Merimoth, son of Uriah, the son of Hakos, repaired the next section. And next to him, Meshullam, son of Berechiah, the son of Meshazabel, made repairs. And next to him, Zadok, son of Barna, also made repairs. And the next section was repaired by the men of Tekoa, but their nobles would not put their shoulders to the work under their supervisors. Gives you a flavor, and it goes on like that. We could be here all morning if I read you the whole chapter. But it's pretty much the way the chapter is written. Uh, how the people started to rebuild Jerusalem. They built that section and then they built that section. They rebuilt that gate and next to them they rebuilt, they rebuilt that section. And together the people all joined together. And we, we read words, if I can draw out kind of key themes for you. We read words like built 30 times in this chapter, chapter 3. We read the word rebuilt 29 times. We, we read the word repaired 31 times. We read the word worked 24 times. That's the kind of the essence of where we're at. We're getting to work now. We've been prepared, preparing the last few weeks as Nehemiah gets ready to go home and start to rebuild Jerusalem. And that's what this whole chapter is all about. So I've got a couple of thoughts for you this morning. I just want to share and hopefully be quite practical with us and... Uh, I uh, hope to keep you on board. The first thing is everyone needs to play their part. That's the first point that I want to make. Everybody, everybody needs to play their part. There's a key phrase in this chapter, chapter 3, which is the word section. They built sections of the wall. 26 times in the contemporary English version, we read this word section. That they built in their sections and they rebuilt the walls and the city of Jerusalem. The next section was repaired by such a body. The next section was repaired by. And we read that over and over. And then we read, next to them was such a body. And next to them, and next to them. And all of the people of Jerusalem and all of the exiles under the leadership of this man, Nehemiah, started to rebuild. And the interesting thing is, when I'm saying that everybody needs to play their part, is it's not just the clergy, the professionals the chapter starts by saying Eliashab, the high priest, and his fellow priests went to work and rebuilt the sheep gate. That was the gate that led to the places where they brought the animals in for sacrifices. So they had a, a, an inherent interest in that part of the city as they led the people in worship and, and the sacrifices that were made. So the priests led the way. But what we realize here is that it wasn't just the priests. It wasn't just the 
professionals. It wasn't just the clergy, the pastors. It was everyone. There are priests at work here, and there are perfumers, perfume makers, and there are goldsmiths, and there are men, and there are women, and there are young, and there are, there, there are old people. There are, there are no professional builders at work in this story, none whatsoever. Uh, Viggo Olsen was a man that helped rebuild 10,000 houses in war-ravaged Bangladesh in 1972. He did this amazing work of rebuilding 10,000 homes. He was not a professional builder. He wasn't even, it wasn't his profession, but he led the charge when he saw the destruction of Bangladesh. He, he, he led the charge and together with those that helped him, rebuilt 10,000 homes. His inspiration for that act was Nehemiah chapter 3. He, he found unexpected inspiration from this strange chapter in the Bible, uh, admittedly not one of the most moving passages you will ever read, but it spoke to him, an amateur. He's, he wrote, I was struck that there were no expert builders listed in this Holy Land Brigade. There were priests, and there were priests helpers, and there were goldsmiths, and there were perfume makers, and there were women, but there were no expert builders or carpenters that were named. And John Piper, who's a pastor, wrote a book that says, brothers, we are not professionals. Everyone played their part. Everyone, we read, except for the nobles of Tekoa in chapter 3, verse 5. They wouldn't do it because they were too posh to push. They were too posh to get involved. They, were too, they wouldn't put their hand to the work. And they are the only ones listed in the whole chapter that wouldn't do it. They wouldn't help. But apart from them, and they are an anomaly recorded in history, apart from that, them, everybody built their section. Everybody got their hands dirty. Everybody rolled up their sleeves. Now we as Christians, as a church, we believe that God has gifted every one of us to serve, to be involved. Not just a few professional clergy or vicars or pastors, but that every one of us uh, has a part to play. The book of Ephesians in the Bible says, Christ gave some to be apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ might be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Ephesians chapter 2 speaks of good works which God has prepared for us to do. What the Bible makes clear is that we are all ministers of the gospel. We all of us have our part to play. We all of us have a section of the wall to build. A theologian called von Hugel said that there are no dittos among souls. We are all different. We have all got different giftings. We've all got different personalities. But what gives me great joy as, as a leader of the church, as the pastor of the church, is that everybody builds their section. In our church, we have many, many, many different ministries and outreach opportunities from children's work to youth work to working with older people uh, to working out in the community to serving coffee to cleaning the toilets. There are so many opportunities of what we do. And uh, there's a section of the wall for everyone to build. 
there are three groups in this, in this chapter that are listed. There are those that did no work. There are those that did some work. And there are those that went above and beyond and did enthusiastic work. And so we all have a part to play. We read again in the Bible in 1 Peter these words. You are coming to Christ who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people but he was chosen by God for great honor. And you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. I am placing a cornerstone in Jerusalem chosen for great honor and anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. The Bible says that we are living stones. We are the people of God. We are the temple of God. Not the ancient temple now as we are reading about in this story, but we all of us are being built together as a place where God works and God lives. We are living stones. And it says this in Philippians 1, above all else, you must live in a way that brings honor to the good news about Jesus Christ. Then whether I visit you or not, I will hear that all of you think alike. I will know that you are working together and that you are struggling side by side to get others to believe in the good news. That is what we are called to do as living stones, each in our different sections. You know, geese can fly 72% further when they fly in formation than when they fly alone. And God's work is always done in partnership. There are 58 one another's in Scripture. And in this chapter alone, in chapter 3 of Nehemiah, there are 71 names of people that did their bit, that got involved. A progression in Scripture is made from the individual big-named player like Moses or David or Abraham through to the people of God who were called to play their part. And God said, I'm going to turn the whole people of God into a living temple. Every one of us has a part to play. If you're an extrovert, you have a part to play. If you're an introvert, you have a part to play. If you're male, female, old or young. And this work here transcends class structures as well. There were, the, there were those of higher class, of higher profession. There were those of lower class and lower profession. But they all worked together. They all rolled up their sleeves and they all did their part. And together they rebuilt the walls of Jerusalem. So everybody has a part to play. You have a part to play. You are called to this ministry. You have a section of the wall to build. And it's important that you do your part, that you play your part. The second thing that I wanted to encourage you with from this particular chapter of Nehemiah is to get connected into your section, is to get involved. The key phrase uh, that you will read, if you read this chapter through, is by his own house. We read it six times in the chapter. So we read that Jediah repaired the wall beside his own house. Hashabiah built the wall in his own district. Each priest made repairs near his own house. Benjamin and Azariah repaired the wall by their own homes. And the groups of people that worked together in these sections were organized according to very natural relationships. So Nehemiah says, I posted them by families. They worked together as families. Eliashib and his fellow priests, they rebuilt the sheep gate. They were one grouping. 
The men of Jericho, they built a section. And the sons of Hassanar, they built the fish gate. And Shalom and his daughters, they all got together and they built a section. And the goldsmiths and the merchants, they built a section. People were building according to interest groups and according to professions and according to family groupings. And sometimes according to where they came from, sometimes according to what their vocation was. But they were all different kinds of gatherings and groupings that worked together and played their part. Now in our church, we have something called connect groups. And we we have the ability to connect with other like-minded people. We could maybe um, pull up, uh, for example, some of our activity groups. I don't know if, if that can come up on the screen. This is on our website, so you can go to our website, you can click on activity groups, and you can see some of the groups that meet around interests in our church. So if we, if we have a look, we've got, we've got people that, um, are, there's an art group. There is a group to teach you how to bake, <laughs> how to make bread. A book club, if we scroll up, we've got a church football team, we've got a coffee club, we've got a craft group. If we scroll up, we've got Happy Feet, a ladies' walking group. We've got introduction to fresh water fishing. We've got listening to God, a one-day course, how to listen to God. We've got a motorcycling club. We've got online evangelism, how to share your faith online. We've got Pentecostal history, the history of Pentecostalism. We've got prayer for prisoners. We've got puppeteering. (laughs) We've got road cycling. Um, And those are just some of the groups the activity groups that you can sign up for. And the reason we're doing this, these connect groups, is, is, to, is to connect people according to their interests. And these are not just for people that go to church regularly, but for your friends, your neighbors, if you want to bring them along on a cycle ride or, or any of these groups. You can sign up online, just click on the group and sign up for it. And some of them meet weekly, some of them meet once a month. And they're all different kinds of acti- activity groups. We also have regular what we call community groups, which meet in the homes of people around our city, and they study the Bible together, and they worship God together in smaller groups, and they'll take what what we talk about on Sunday, and at the moment we're looking at Nehemiah, and they'll they'll, uh, discuss it, and they'll try and apply it to their everyday life, and their work, and their their families. We, We have volunteer groups where um, you can get involved at a volunteer level and you can help with the work, <laughs> whether it's helping with our kids' club or whether it's helping with our technical teams or whether it's in our youth group. Or There are plenty of ways and interest groups that you can, you can get involved. After our service today, we have something called a Connect Lunch and uh, up in our hall upstairs. And, and this is just a monthly lunch where you can come together if you're, if you're new or not new to the church, but you would just like to get to know some people beyond kind of the larger gathering, you can come up and have a bit of lunch with us and meet some of the team, and uh, we'd love to see you there, and you're very welcome to join us. And so there are all different ways and sections of the church, according to interest groups sometimes. Now, Dale Ralph Davis, who's a commentator on Old Testament stuff, he, he said, what do you make of those who carried out repairs in front of their own house? Well, what's wrong with it? They would likely perform quality repairs if it were part of their defense near their own home. In 1948, when the Jewish sector of Jerusalem was being slowly strangled by the Arab cordon, 
uh, there was yet time to get the women and children to the coast, away from besieged Jerusalem. And Dove Joseph, a Canadian lawyer in charge of provisioning Jewish Jerusalem, refused to allow the evacuation. He reasoned that Jewish men would fight for harder to defend their sector of Jerusalem if they knew the lives of their wives and children depended on their bravery. They wouldn't need to be told what would happen to their families if their areas were overrun. Personal interest can be quite a motivator. And I think it's important at times that as we recognize the very different giftings and passions that we have as Christians and as members of the church body, that we are all to play our part. So we have our freedom encounters on Monday, evening, uh, on Monday evenings, which is this kind of group that looks at praying in depth over areas of people's lives and, and seeking to find personal freedom. And it's been a re- very effective course. We have our Wednesday morning prayer center here for midweek prayer and ministry. We, ha- we have young adults. We have we, uh, uh, the danger of starting to name groups is that you omit groups, but you can see across the church that there are many different areas that you could get involved in according to personality and gifting. And you may feel that your small section doesn't make a difference, that your involvement doesn't count, but every section counts because together we rebuild the walls. Together we are living stones that are being built together for a place where God lives and God dwells. And together as we work and as we minister, and every one of us is a minister, God will use us to share his kingdom and uh, his glory with others. This is a story of three bricklayers that's been told. I've heard this many times, this kind of illustration, and it's in various iterations on the internet. But take this version. The story of three bricklayers is a multifaceted parable with many different variations, but it's rooted in an authentic story. After the great fire of 1666 that leveled London, the world's most famous architect, Christopher Wren, was commissioned to rebuild St. Paul's Cathedral. And one day in 1671, Christopher Wren observed three bricklayers on a scaffold, one crouched, one half standing and one standing tall, working very hard and fast. To the first bricklayer, Christopher Wren asked the question, what are you doing? To which the bricklayer replied, I'm a bricklayer. I'm working hard, laying bricks to feed my family. The second bricklayer responded, I'm a builder, I'm building a wall. But the third bricklayer, the most productive of the three and the future leader of the group, when asked the question, what are you doing? Replied with a gleam in his eye, I'm a cathedral builder. I'm building a great cathedral to the Almighty. And that is the difference in when we realize that what we're doing, (laughs) whether we're serving a cup of coffee or whether we're cleaning a carpet, or whether we're shaking a hand, or whether we're helping a young child, or leading a ministry, or leading a small group, or going fly fishing, or whatever we do, we can do it to the glory of God. And there is no secular, secular, sacred divide. Every part of our lives is lived out to the glory of God. And God wants to use you as an individual with your personality, your spiritual gifts and your heart and your passion and your abilities and your experiences, the good and the bad, the hurts as well as the habits and the hang-ups, God wants to use you to build your section of the wall, to be part of these living stones that are built together for the glory of God. 
And sometimes we can say, well, I'm just building the wall. I'm, I'm just laying bricks. Or we can say, I'm building a cathedral to the glory of God in whatever area we live and move in. And so Paul, when he writes to the Corinthians, says, brothers and sisters, always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your work for the Lord is never wasted. It's never wasted. And the, a, a third thought from this, and I've, I've got four thoughts. This is the third, and the last two are quite short. A third thought is that we should love everyone and invite everyone, but we should invest in the willing. Uh, we read in chapter 3 here, verse 5, something that I've already highlighted. It says, the next section of the wall was rebuilt by the men of Tekoa, but the nobles of that town refused to work or help. And then we read, in contrast to that, we read in verse 20, Barak zealously repaired another section. Some people not only did their own section, but they did their own section, then they went and helped on somebody else's section. They did twice the amount of work. Compare and contrast the nobles of Tekoa and the people of Barak, uh, Barak who zealously built two sections. So love everyone, but invest in the willing. Jesus fed 5,000 people. He preached to crowds. He trained 70. He discipled 12, and he mentored three. Was Jesus playing favorites? Yes, says Dale Ralph Davis. He was. He gave the maximum amount of effort to those that would carry maximum responsibility. And we don't waste time in judging others like the people of the nobles of Tekoa. The Bible says, why do you judge your brothers and sisters in Christ? Why do you think you are better than they are? Remember, each one of us will stand personally before the judgment seat of God. Then each one of us has to give a personal account to God. So don't judge each other. God will reward what we do. So love everyone and involve everyone, but invest in the willing. But my final thought is this. Is I'd like you this morning to look to the ultimate Nehemiah, who left the comfort of heaven, the palace of this story, to deliver a people. Jerusalem is a sign of something bigger, and the Bible speaks of the walls of salvation. I want you to think about Jesus this morning. Nehemiah in this story from thousands of years ago, he left the comforts of his job, the comforts of safety of the palace to go and deliver his people and rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. But the great arcing story of the Bible is the story of a God, of Jesus Christ, who left the comfort of heaven and the equality with his father to come down to earth and to rebuild the walls of salvation, to rebuild our broken lives through his death on the cross. And there's a passage in the Bible in Philippians chapter 2 which speaks of this, and it says that Jesus, you should get encouragement from Jesus. Have, a, have your thoughts like Jesus, who, who though he was God, and though he was uh, equal to God, he did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing, by taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself to become obedient to death, even death on a cross. Jesus left the palace of heaven to come and rebuild our broken lives, to come 
and rebuild. Our walls of salvation is a phrase that's used in the book of Isaiah. There's uh, this passage in Isaiah 60, verse 18. Violence will disappear from your land. The desolation and destruction of war will end. Salvation will surround you like city walls. And praise will be on the lips of all who enter there. And that's what Jesus came for. And I want to invite uh, my wife Jenny up um, to come and just talk to you about uh, this Alpha course that's starting soon and that uh, Paul and Kate highlighted at the start of our service. Because this is really what we are all about as a church. And this is one of the sections of walls that we build regularly. So I'm going to hand to Jenny and just ask her to introduce a video and just to highlight this section because these are the ultimate walls that we are re rebuilding. Hi, I'm Jenny. I'm American, as you can tell. Um, and I've lived here in um, Plymouth for about 20 years now and, and love it. I love Plymouth. And what I love most of all is um, really encountering Jesus. And I have encountered Jesus here in Plymouth and in this church. And that's what I'd like to share with you. And the best way I know to do it is to invite you to this course that I'm, um, I help to lead with, with a team. And it's called the Alpha Course. And the Alpha Course, um, it's a bit of a funny name, but it's, it's, like an, it's an eight-week course where um, they, we explain kind of the basic bits of the Christian faith. So maybe you have a friend who's a bit happy-clappy, or you have somebody in your family who's always prayed for you, and you've always wondered what that's about. What are they, what are they on about? Why, why religion is outdated, or whatever it is you might be thinking. And maybe you're curious. Maybe you're curious and want to know um, what this Christianity thing is about. Well, then the Alpha Course would be ideal for you. Because what we do is we watch a, a short video, about 20 minutes, and it's, a very, it's very easy to watch. It's quite modern, and it's quite fast-paced. And then after that, we split up into groups, and we discuss what we've just watched. And what we like best on, on our team is when you have really difficult questions, you know, like... Why the heck does the Bible say this? Or why, why did Jesus do that? Um, and then we discuss that for about 20 to 30 minutes. And then that's it. And there's no pressure to come to church or to pray or anything like that. It's really an exploration. That, that's all it is, a, a journey of exploration. So we'd love to invite you along to that. And because of the pandemic, we, use, we often, we meet, we usually do it here in the building, but because of the pandemic, we're doing it online. So it's even easier at the moment uh, to come along. And um, the format is that we start on a Wednesday evening at half past seven, you get a Zoom code from me, I email it to you. And then you log on and you watch the video and have the discussion time. And, and it takes about an hour. So from half past seven to half past eight, um, you're on Zoom with us. And uh, you can ask whatever you like. And uh, we'll try our best to, to, to discuss it with you and, and to answer what we can. Um, but, um, yeah, so we'd, we'd love to ask you to come along to that if you are a Christian already, but you don't really think you know what it's about, it's, it's a good course for you as well. If you um, aren't a Christian, if you don't believe in Jesus, then it's definitely for you. Um, and um, so that, that's my invitation to you. And the other invitation I'd like to issue is if you know somebody who perhaps would be interested in exploring Christianity, the Christian faith, then why don't you invite them along to that as well? Um, and what we'll do is we'll have 
the Wednesday night on the 29th of September is just an introduction. So you can come along to that and then decide if you want to do the eight-week course. Um, and just to kind of highlight what it's all about and the benefits of it, we've interviewed a young man who, who did this course on Zoom with us last time. His name's Simon, and we're just going to watch that video now. I knew from when I was a child that I believed in God. I don't know why, I don't know where it came from, but I knew. Mum and Dad took us to church when we were children, and when I was 16, teenager, I made the decision, actually, I wanted to commit, commit to the Christian faith. It made sense to me, it felt right. Um, and then you grow up and uh, life takes over, um, and uh, yeah, I've come full circle, come back to, to my faith, because it's what I need, it's what I know. I, I, I can't be who I want to be without it. Um, Alpha was just a, um, uh, was an obvious option for me, because I found it so exciting actually when, when I took part, being able to ask questions and share your doubts and maybe your experiences too and um, you know whether you'd be a Christian or not, it's, it's got a lot of answers there and it certainly, it answers questions for me that I never thought I had. Well the benefits of doing it online were that we didn't have to leave the house and I could get my wife involved quite easily, um, she's a non-Christian and um, we didn't have to find babysitters for our children, someone to watch the house, which, you know, during the lockdown period was particularly, you know, very, very difficult. So, um, yeah, it just made it really easy for us. The, the appeal was easy. And for my wife, it was less intimidating in, in doing it online than it was doing it in person. Now, she's good with people, but doing it online, she was in the comfort of her own home, and she was at a safe place. I was really excited after Alpha because it just cemented what I already knew. But it gave me a good education on things that I didn't know about my faith. I really felt a sense of satisfaction uh, that what I felt to be true was most certainly true. And um, it, it set me up for getting out there and sharing that my, my faith. But with more authority and, and, and a greater understanding of it. And that, that for me was really, really important. to Simon and uh, to Jenny and the team. That's a week on Wednesday that that's starting. So um, this is the passage that I just read you from Isaiah, from the prophet Isaiah. Violence will disappear from your land. The desolation and destruction of war will end. Salvation will surround you like city walls and praise will be on all the lips of all who enter there. And so um, what I wanted to make clear to you this morning uh, through this strange passage really to us as modern readers is that everyone needs to play their part everyone needs to be involved there is a section of the wall awaiting you and uh, I've just highlighted some practical ways this morning through our groups and through our uh, abilities to get involved that you might do that secondly I've said that uh, it's for you to get connected into your section sometimes that's through geography sometimes it's through family sometimes it's through vocation uh, through interest group, um, but uh, there are many different ways and different groupings to do that. And then thirdly, we love everyone and everybody is welcome, but we will invest in the willing, those that put their hands to the work. And finally, and ultimately, and most importantly, I want to point you to Jesus, who is the ultimate Nehemiah, who left the comfort of heaven 
uh, to come and rebuild the walls of our lives. So those are the invitations that we're making today, whether it's to Alpha Course, to Connect Groups, is for you to take your place and to get involved because we believe as a church it's time to rebuild uh, these walls. And we believe also that the truth of verse 20 will come to pass. The God of heaven will give us success. We, his servants, will start rebuilding. So let me pray for you, and then we're going to invite the worship group back up to lead us in a song of worship. Um, Lord Jesus, we thank you that you came down from heaven uh, to save us, to rebuild our lives, uh, to give us the walls of salvation. We thank you for the change that you have made in our lives. And God, I thank you that um, every one of us has a part to play in your kingdom and in building these walls. We pray, God, that whatever our personality, whatever our experience, whatever uh, it is that we bring, Lord, that we know that you want to use each and every one of us, that you've prepared good works for each one of us to do in advance. So I pray, God, that we would be willing in the day of salvation and that, Lord, as we stand shoulder to shoulder, building together, we would see your kingdom come and your will done in Jesus' name. Amen.